lock and load. This is GeorgiaCarry.org Radio with Georgia Carry's Executive Director, Jerry Henry. GeorgiaCarry.org is Georgia's no-compromise voice for gun owners. The leader in the fight to reclaim and expand our Second Amendment right to keep and bear arms. Here's your host, Executive Director of GeorgiaCarry.org, Jerry Henry. Welcome to GeorgiaCarry.org Radio Hour this beautiful Saturday morning in downtown Atlanta. Today we are going to have a fun show. I, uh, I met my guest this last legislative session uh, a few hours before, well, maybe a few uh, minutes, maybe an hour before we went to uh, one of the hearings for uh, the gun bills. Uh, and he was setting up on the on the DS up with the rest of the committee members, and I didn't realize at that time that he was a committee member. But he decided he wanted to testify after some of the moms had spewed their stuff out. And he came down and read them the riot act, basically. <laughs> in fact, in fact, when he went back up to sit down, the uh, one of the committee members said, "You're supposed to be talking to the committee, not the not the <laughs> audience." Uh, he is, however, a uh, a first term legislator. His name is Jason Ridley, and he is the uh, state representative for the 6th District of Georgia, which is up around Dalton, Murray County, up in that area. And so I give you Jason Ridley. How are you this morning? Hi, I'm doing great. I appreciate y'all inviting me to be down here. Well, good. We do, Like I said, we're just going to talk about a little, lot of things. You and I talked about, uh, we probably talked more about things that we had done and, and all throughout our lives this year than, than what we were really talking about the legislation. We knew where we were going with that and and uh, it wasn't uh, wasn't that big a deal as far as that goes. But I had uh, I had a good time learning a little bit about you and your background. And I will tell you that uh, when I announced who my guest was this week, I had the same question asked every time, which you probably guess what that question is. Who is this guy? Yeah, who is Jason Ridley? <laughs> <laughs> so I decided that might be the topic of the show today. Who is Jason Ridley? <laughs> well, uh, in case you can't tell, I'm from North Georgia by my accent. Um, uh, I was born and raised in uh, Murray County. Uh, I represent Chatsworth and the northern part of Murray County, which is the, the county seat's Chatsworth, and north part of Whitfield County, uh, which everybody knows as Dalton. Um, uh, born and raised there. Uh, my family's been there since the 1800s, I think. Um we got pretty popular back in the back in the prohibition days mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and uh, kind of been around politics all my life uh my great grandfather which he was the oldest of 10 brothers uh he was uh, he was the old county boss or county manager back before you had radio mm-hmm. and stuff and so uh i had i got letters from when roosevelt would come through and uh, they backed uh, eugene talmage pretty heavy and yeah. uh, and so they was part of that so i kind of been raised up in it uh and drifted on down to my grandfather and and uh, and just been old farm boy up there and hanging out in the mountains. Yeah, well, that's that sounds like fun. I, you you say you're an old farm boy, but I understand you might have done a couple of things besides that. Yeah, I, uh, <laughs> kind of get my secret out now. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I spent 12 years in the in the banking industry there in community banking uh, from 2000 to 2012, and and uh, sort of got burnt out on it. So I went back to farming full time and. They figured out where the money was going. So the, it was. The, well, <laughs> all the money that I made in banking, I've lost in farming now. So I just. Uh, oh, I was talking about what you were pocketing. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm talking about that. 
<laughs> well, I can tell you, I having a little farm down here myself, and and uh, and all, I I can understand that. We we've got a few horses down at my place, and and uh, I can tell you exactly how to make a million dollars in the horse business. Start off with ten. And mm-hmm. you wind up with a million. Now, other that's, than that, that's about it. That, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> You're just not going to do it. It just, but it's it's an interesting life, and it it's a it's a good way of life, at least to me. I like I enjoy it. I don't. You know, you, you, you're not on the clock, but you are on the clock. Oh, yeah. You put in a lot more hours. You know, I, uh, uh, and we'll probably talk about it a little later. My, my dad got killed when I was 14, so my granddad raised me, and he was a War, war II veteran. Mm-hmm. Uh, never drew a dollar from anybody. I always worked for himself. I always farmed and uh, did some land development and that kind of stuff. And, and uh, so he always raised us up, you know, always look ahead. And mm-hmm. and, uh, and back then, gosh, I, I, I hated it, you know, down there belling hay square right. bales in the summer oh, and it's hot and i thought it. man if i can ever get out of here but then there's just that gets in you and you can't get out of it yeah. you start having kids and you want them to kind of experience the same thing and, yeah well uh, i can testify one of the prettiest things in the world is that last bell egg that's exactly on, right. on, that, on that trailer <laughs> on a hot summer day yeah that, unless you've got a barn with a loft in it that's <laughs> <Yeah>. the, <laughs> well even, it, then it's the last bell that goes up there either way those and i i have uh i have done my share of hauling hay and and uh Dragging bells around the, the field, it, it, it's. Uh, but I could tell you some interesting stories. I oh yeah, up, you know I'm I'm, and I say this every show. People are gonna get upset with me one of these days. But I'm from a place called Bells, Texas, which is just a little old community up in North Texas, and uh, that was that was kind of. I didn't live in the on in the uh, on a farm, but all my friends did, and mm-hmm. I was always out there helping them, and. It was. It's just a different way of life, and if you hadn't experienced, you just you can't experience. I mean, you can't understand what goes on, and you look at these people and you say, "These guys get up at six o'clock in the morning." No, they get up at four o'clock. That's right. If they, and they hadn't been to bed too long when they get up. Most That's of the time. exactly right. And then they go out there and they do this all day long, and you come back and you look at them like, "What? What in the world's going on?" But it's something. If you're not into it, you'll never understand. No, it. you'll never understand it. And, and you know and that that getting up early that transferred down to whenever I came down to the uh, down here. You know, I get up about four thirty, four fifteen every morning, and and so I was always in the office about five. You know, and and uh, so about three weeks in, I found two other guys that was downstairs that was coming in about that same time. And that was. Uh, uh dominic Ricky and and uh uh-huh. and uh, uh some of his buddies and so so every morning we started having a powwow down there just the kind of the early morning crew yeah. everybody thinks we're crazy for getting there that early but well, <laughs> well you don't have to fight traffic to, most of the time now you might have to this time of the year with the all the interstates messed up but right but for the most part you don't have to fight the traffic that time of the oh day. yeah there's yeah there's no traffic and you don't have to worry about being late if you're there at five thirty in the morning <laughs> oh yeah you're late. there yeah you're <laughs> Uh, the the truth behind it is is when you're a little slower than the smart people, you got to get started earlier. Is the way I figure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a good way to put it. That's, that's another reason I like interviewing country boys. There's no telling what they're going to say. No, the, uh, <laughs> yeah, y'all might want to put some sort of ad on there. Uh, I, I don't have a muzzle most days. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so you were you were raised around the farm, uh, and. Uh, I, I didn't realize that your family had been in the, uh, well, it wasn't the sunshine business, but it was some kind of shine business, That's apparently. Right. Yeah. That's, uh, well, of course, at that time, that, that was not unusual. There were an awful lot of people all over the place. Well, it and was, it's still going on all over the place, whether oh, yeah. you like it or not. Uh, and, you know, back then, I mean, that was 
they wanted no jobs. I mean, they were right. driving all. They were they were taking the wagons all the way to Alabama to log and 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 just to find a job just to feed their families. Right. You know, and it was a whole different time uh, in in the you know in the country, and you had to do what you had to do to make that's a right. living. And that's exactly what most people did. That's right, uh, and uh, especially people who lived on the farm and and were used to having to provide for themselves. And and we didn't have government handouts back then. No, you had to do it. No. Uh, if you didn't do it. You fell by the wayside. You know, that's, the, that's exactly right. The, the old saying, only the strong survive, was very, very accurate at that point in time. That's exactly right. And uh, so there's a lot of people. But there's a lot of people who have carried on that family tradition, and I won't ask you whether you've carried it on or not because I wouldn't want to do that. Well, I might have supported <laughs> a bill that, that helped out distilleries a little. <laughs> well, I was talking about it in the private business. No, 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 I'm not in the private now. It's a... Oh. Yeah, it's uh, it's amazing. Uh, it's amazing some of the things that are still going on that people just don't realize. It's it's just a little further back in the woods, and it doesn't smoke as much as it used to, so it's harder to chase it that, uh, chase it down. But that's right. Uh, you um, you decided last year that you would run for office. Why did you decide you'd run for office? Well, it, being in politics, uh, you know, being involved with none of my family was actually elected in politics, but it was always kind of in the background. I always sat around and listened to stories. Mm-hmm. And uh, one character we had down here, just happens to be from uh, up there, was uh, Judy Pope. Uh, he was in the legislation back in the nineties, and and was just a he was a sheriff up there for about twenty something years in my town, and he got elected uh, for the legislation, and so. Growing up, I would sit on the counter, and he'd come every Sunday and, and eat breakfast with, with my grandfather and my uncles. And so I'd sit up on the counter and listen to him tell stories, you know, about the legislature. And so I came down uh, to be a page uh, when I was in fifth and sixth grade and uh, and just met uh, Speaker Murphy and, and oh, yeah. uh, uh, Lester Maddox and, and just kind of got hooked on it Good. after that. And so I always kept up with it, but uh, uh, some stuff went on this time, and I thought, you know, it was time for a change. And, and uh I trust myself more than I do somebody else. And so I said, let's just see what's out there. And so I took off and ran. Yep. And you uh, wanted the subject you ran on was a subject near and dear to uh, my heart and to our members' hearts, I believe. Oh, yeah. Second Amendment uh, is very important to me. And I, and I, I know we've got to go to break, and I'll go into discussion about that and uh, why it is. Yeah. Yeah, I I understand that. I've heard it. It's a good story. We'll talk about that. We'll also talk about, I believe you did a little rodeo in one time. We'll yeah. we'll talk a little bit about that, too. Yeah, there's one uh, another failed attempt at something. That, <laughs> <laughs> well, it had, that's one you have to bounce back from when you're in trouble. <laughs> we're, uh, we're coming up here to, towards the end of this uh, first segment. I want to take a chance to or the opportunity to remind you to go to georgiacarry.org, our website. You can join up. You can also renew your membership. You can uh, keep track of what's going on with us, and um, you can get the uh, podcast there. Also, you can get the podcast here at uh, newstalk1160.com. Those are uh, commercial-free. You can listen to this show anytime you want to. You can download it. Have a good time. Uh, In the meantime, uh, we will be right back. And now, back to GeorgiaCarry.org radio with GeorgiaCarry.org's executive director, Jerry Henry. Welcome back to GeorgiaCarry.org radio hour. I'm uh, Jerry Henry. I'm here with uh, my special guest this morning, State Representative uh, Jason Ridley. 
at least he knows who he is. I'm having trouble with it right now, but <laughs> that was part of the that was part of the title of the show, basically. Who is Jason Ridley? Uh, yeah. uh, and we, you, you brought up something just before the the last break that that I want to get into because we we're talking about the Second Amendment and your feelings on the Second Amendment. And I believe you've told me that you're the, as far as we know, you're the only legislature legislative tour in the General Assembly who's lost three family members to gun shots that's correct uh you know my uh when i was in eighth grade i was 14 uh my dad he uh was getting ready to go hunting and and had an accident with a uh with the 30 30 and it went off and, and uh so when i got home i found him uh dead and and so um and then i had uh, my grandfather uh, back in our back in the mid 80s uh he uh i guess it's even before this may have been early age. um he was killed in a little restaurant there in town by some guys that he'd kind of got, kind of had some words with or something. Well, they came in, and um, and shot and killed him. And and luckily, everybody in there, I think, had you know had a good gun and and shot them before they killed somebody before else. Somebody. Um, and then I had an uncle uh, that was killed uh, by a guy. And uh, so uh, we're really nice people. I mean, don't take that. Uh, uh, it's just. Things happen, and, yeah. and, and well, so bad things happen to good people. They do, you know. It's a, and it's just one of those things. You just, uh, you know, my granddaddy taught me that, you know, life, life's never fair. It ain't a movie. You right. dig your heels in, and right. you can lay down and die, or you can, you can pull yourself up and go on. And, and you know, and him losing the youngest child like that. I mean, even it don't matter if you're seventy years old. That's oh, still no. your, your kid. You know, that's I, right. it was hard on him. Um, but uh, the reason Second Amendment means so much to me is because. I, I love history, and, I, and I've always – I remember in second grade uh, at Eton Elementary School, I had uh, Miss Loftus. She was our teacher, and we started learning about the uh, Revolutionary War and, and then uh, Declaration of Independence and that kind of stuff. And it just always struck me that, that those guys is the only guys that had any, everything to lose and nothing to gain by that's starting correct. this country. You're exactly uh, right. And there's never been another generation or another set of guys that's done that. I mean, they they came in rich and left just dirt poor right. to, to start something like this. and. And that's a that's a sacrifice I think we take away for granted. Oh yeah. Um, well, we don't even teach our children anymore hardly in we schools don't. what it's about and well, and where we come from and what this country means and what it meant to the founders of this country. Exactly, exactly right. And and um, you know I, I've traced my family back. We came here in 1635 uh, uh, on the Dartmouth, which was a another boat that came over with the Mayflower. Uh, Thomas Ridley he served at Valley Forge with. Uh, uh, with Washington, he was a captain. Then got promoted to a major. Mm-hmm. Um, after the Revolutionary War, he went on. Uh, I guess they all got land. Then he ended up in Southampton, Virginia. He had two sons that served in the Civil War. One was killed at Bull Run. Um, so basically, we have fought in every war. And in 1898, whenever there wasn't war, we went to Texas and found one. Mm-hmm. Just to, you know, I mean, that we've always been a pretty patriotic. That was 1848, family. by the way. Forty-six. Yeah, whatever. Sometimes there wasn't a war. We went and found one. (laughs) Uh, Start one. (laughs) Yeah, we'll start one too. We've done that. Uh, But uh, uh, but you know, I I just I I, my grandfather. He he was one of the greatest generation. Mm. You know, uh, those guys will they'll never be again. And uh, and my uncle, he was in Vietnam, and and so uh, they never really talked about it a lot. But you just kind of had to have that respect for those guys that, that that. went when they didn't well, want to uh, or went and volunteered when when everything your body's telling you not to you yeah know? well the heroes didn't talk about it no the ones that talked about it were not the heroes that's right when they tell you everything they've done they didn't most of the time that's, that's you know? exactly right. 
Uh, Nobody wanted to talk about it. Back, if you stop and think about it, World War II, for instance, we had the draft. Right. And, of course, back then there was so much patriotism. When we got attacked, Japan attacked us, I'm going to go get them. Right. And the attitude was we go get them. Right. Uh, And I remember my father-in-law had trouble getting into the uh, military in World War II because he was so small. He was... Uh, he was uh, he only weighed like 118 pounds or something. He had to weigh 120, and he kept going down there. And the recruiter told him to go buy a bunch of bananas and eat them all just before you come down here. <laughs> and he came back, and he did that. Came right. back, and he weighed exactly enough to get into the military. That's right. And so he went through it when he didn't have to. But one of the reasons that he did that, he tells me or told me, was the fact that. Um, at that time, if you look to be able-bodied and you're walking down the street, people look at you like, well, what's the matter with you? Why, why aren't you fighting for your country? Right. That's exactly and right. And that was not only the attitude of the people that were walking down the street. It was also the people that were seeing you walk down the street. So there was a total different thing. You were drafted into the service as well. And those guys went over there and they did what you and I do every day. They went over there, they did their job, they came back home and went back to work. That's exactly, uh, and they didn't didn't dwell over what happened for the most part. They said this, you know, that's over with. I'm over here. Oh yeah, and there's hundreds of stories. There's uh Mr. Thomas was an old dairy farmer, um and uh whenever he passed away I knew his daughters and uh and I went to the funeral home and he'd had both legs amputated, you know, and stuff. But mm-hmm. I never knew and I don't know that they actually knew, uh but he had served with Patton. Uh, in the Battle of the Bulge and was mm-hmm. shot and went back and got patched back up and came back out on the field again and fought again. And right. then, like you said, went home, after it was over with, went home, went right back and to the dairy never business. Never said another word about it. Never him. said another word. I, have a, uh, I had an uncle who passed away here um, about three or four years ago. He was um, uh, 91 or two, something like that, and he served in World War Two. And I didn't find out until about uh, eight or nine years ago that he had a Purple Heart. That he was shot up during World War II because he never said anything about it. Right. And the only reason he said anything about it, somebody saw a license plate on his car. Cause you could, and he said, yeah, I finally found out about that. You know, <laughs> 50 years after the war's over with, I find out that I could have had a free tag this whole time. Right, yeah. And yeah. he said, and I think this is my second or third one, you know. Right. And uh, so then I realized he had a Purple Heart. And I was talking to a, a nephew of mine who uh, went to his funeral. And during uh, the eulogy, they stated everything that he he said. Man, you won't believe how decorated that guy was. Oh yeah. But you know, he was a postman in in Greenville, Texas, and that's oh. what everybody knew him as. It was Joe the postman. He had walked down the road every day. I think the reason he lived to be ninety three or four was because that he he had walked so long on the right. the, the mail route and stayed in such good shape. But uh, we kind of got off that track at any rate. But. Uh, it's still the same thing. We're, we're talking about the country and what it means. And I, I don't think a lot of times, I don't think people really understand that our Constitution was the first document in history that gave the rights to the people that said, this is what the the government can't do to mm-hmm. you. This is what you can do. Well, first the, document ever. Right. Well, I mean, basically, the barrack was an experiment. Nobody had ever done what we'd done before. Well, that's not and, totally true. Well, that, <laughs> no guys had ever really left and went off and started no, the whole no country, country. No country had done that. But right. I will state one thing about the founders of this country. An awful lot of those guys were Masons. Right. And if you go back and look at the Masonic um, Constitution from the 1700s or from the uh, yeah, from 1700s, uh, you will find 
that an awful lot of our Constitution is in that Masonic Constitution. And they they uh, started this country governing basically on a lot of the Masonic uh, foundings. Well, that, that's but, something I did learn today. So I always need to learn something every day. So, I, um, but yeah, so you can go home and go to sleep now. I, yeah, I'm good now. I'm the, but uh, but you know, and back talking about the Second Amendment, that, that's that's what will get me fired up more than anything is is to see these people out here. Um, you know, just they don't have any respect from how they got to where they're at, and no. as comfortable as they are. Uh, you know, you. I want freedom of speech, but I only want it whenever I want to put you right. down. But if you say it back to me, then I'm offended. Then we got to put you in jail. But yeah, yeah. the That's only people who want to have a gun on the Second Amendment is 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 you know is the police or whatever. And and uh, that thing wasn't wasn't written to expire. No, it was. They'll all say it was written in another. And time, you know, but it wasn't. another thing that I tell people uh, every once in a while, I remind them that you know nowadays you can, you can go to Google the Constitution. And you can search for any phrase or word you want in there. Mm-hmm. Go find "shall not be infringed" in the Constitution. One place, Second Amendment, it's the only yeah, place right. that "shall not be infringed" shows up in the Constitution of the United States. And originally, it, I mean, it's the Second Amendment. Why it's the first? Because they thought that freedom of speech was was, but. As we all know, without the second, you're not going to have the first. That's you're not exactly going right. to have the third, the fourth, any of them. No. Because the government can do whatever they want to to you, and they will. That's right. We, that's been proven too many times. You get too many tyr- uh, tyrants in there, and your rights go away. And these people that are sitting out here, such as Bloomberg, trying to buy my rights and your rights away from us, they don't realize, they don't seem to realize at least, that when he gets through buying the Second Amendment, what's next on his list? Is the First Amendment next? Uh, it'd be something is the Fifth that, Amendment next? Is yeah. the Tenth Amendment? One of those is next after he gets through. So they need to sit down and look and, and, look and see what they're trying to do or what they're trying to do to us. Right. They, they're doing it, they think, to help everybody out. But that's another story. <laughs> We're coming up to the end of this segment once again. Uh, Jerry Henry and Jason Ridley, we're having a— at least a fun discussion on this side of the mic. We'll uh, have to listen to the podcast and see what, <laughs> what kind of damage we did. But at any rate, in the meantime, uh, get a chance. Go by georgiacarry.org. Look us up. Uh, you can join, etc. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter, at georgiacarry. I'm at gotyourback64 on Twitter. And I want to remind you one more time about the commercial-free podcast at newstalk1160.com. We'll be right back. And now, back to GeorgiaCarry.org radio with GeorgiaCarry.org's executive director, Jerry Henry. Welcome back to GeorgiaCarry.org radio hour. Jerry Henry, Jason Riddle, we were just talking about uh, the importance of the Second Amendment, what it means to us, and uh, how, how well we need to protect it. And... Um, you have any more thoughts on that? I mean, I know we've talked about about how it came to be, why it came to be, et cetera. I mean, obviously it came to be because the founders had just left a tyrannical government right. and they wanted to protect themselves from a ty- tyrannical government. They wanted right. uh, the people to be able to because yeah. it's we the people. Well, and you look at all these countries that we're having problems with, North Korea, of course, right now, that we've been having problems with, and and 
the one thing that they all, none of them are armed. None That's of them correct. have the right. And so you cannot stop anybody from, from ta- you know, from taking over. Uh, all the countries that you look at throughout the world that's having problems with their leadership, it's, they're unarmed countries. That's, um, you know, and, and so I get I get a little frustrated whenever I start hearing these uh, liberals that start telling us that we don't need to have guns here. You need to be limited where you can carry them there. Well, oh, yeah. These guys that come in, just like the guy in Fresno, they're not going to go in somewhere where they know you're armed. That's correct. Because these are the most cowardly people. They're wanting attention. And they're going to walk in somewhere that they know that there's no risk to it where they can get a name for themselves. And, and then what do they do when they face risk? What do 90-something percent of them do when they, they face they, the risk? They kill themselves. They kill themselves. They keep, keep from and, getting. And that's what I always say. Look, why don't we just meet them at the door armed, and they right. can kill themselves and get it over with. That's, and we don't have to worry about it. Yeah, it can uh, save us a lot of trouble. And, you know, and, and of course, you know the media. You, you, you can flip either side you want to. Uh, and, and they'll all say, you know, well, it's, it's not proven that guns protect you. I, one, you know, I, whenever we passed uh, the campus carry, I put out an article in my paper saying why I voted for campus mm-hmm. carry. And uh, one of the one of the little comments um, that was put in my local newspaper was, was Jason really wants to give guns out to everybody. Yeah, and uh, that's not that's further from the truth than anything. You know, you've got to be a you've got to be a, a twenty one. You've got to have your uh, uh, back uh, background check done. You got to have a permit, the whole nine yards. Yeah. Um, and I don't think that there's anybody that can say that there's been a guy that's that's had a permit that's you know or it's a, a group of people that's went in and done any of this no. stuff. It's always guys that's got rap nope. uh, got rap sheets. They should never had a gun to start with. No, no. Um, the, you know this reminds me of uh, back when I was a kid. I I was at a guy's house and he had a, a little shed back at the back and he had a lock on it and the lock was broken. And I looked at him and I said, you know that lock's broken? He said, yeah, but he said, you know, locks are only to keep honest people out. And that hit home with me. That's exactly the way the laws are. Mm-hmm. That you can't carry a firearm into a school. Well, then how do people get guns in there to kill all these people? That's exactly right. You put a big because sign up outside that says yeah, you can't have the, guns here. <laughs> and the sign didn't work. What's the matter? You know, can't this guy read? Maybe he needs some remedial training in reading because there was a sign there that said he couldn't do that. That's exactly right. And and that's what bothers me about the whole mess. And I tell people all the time, the only thing I want is I want the right to be able to defend myself anywhere I go. The criminal will take a gun in there. Mm-hmm. I need the same right. That's right. Because – and, and regardless what anybody says, they say, well, you know, okay, even if they do, even if the governor does sign HB 280, which I think he will, uh, then uh, people under 21 on campus won't be armed. They're not. I agree. That's right. But there's going to be some on there that are armed. That's correct. Do you want to take a pick and see if this guy's got one? I mean, I'll tell you, interesting. I'm not going to. That's right. And I'll tell you something interesting. Once I, I, uh, whenever we pass that, I put it on my Facebook page. I got over seventy something um, replies, not one negative, but mm-hmm. but that, and that's not what the surprising thing was. The surprising thing was about ninety percent of them were females, right? College age students that said, "I go to school at night. Right. Thank you for passing this. I'm always right. scared, you know, because yeah, you've got you've got patrols there. You've got uh, you know you've got uh, armed uh, policemen there." But the fact is, if they're on the other side of a, of a campus, a small campus, right? You're talking about five minutes that, that hear you scream, try to get to you, and right. that kind of stuff. 
um, where you know these girls will have a right to protect herself. I mean, that's, oh, I agree with and, you. And, and, just and, like everybody else. And a lot of times, uh, a lot of these women that are are in night school are mothers that's who correct. have had their children. They've decided they want to go back to school to become a nurse or or whatever they wanted to pursue at an earlier age, and they're mostly there at night. Right. And when I, I know I had uh, several women from Kennesaw states and walk across that parking lot at 11 o'clock right. at night yeah. and you tell me that that you're comfortable up there i don't care how many cops they got you're not the other thing you look at uh, if you look at um, if you look at what uh, the time of most of these attacks are when kids are leaving the library mm-hmm. at night well now if i'm sitting out there and somebody's coming through and i'm going to sit there and say do they have a gun mm, not sure right I'm I'm not going to take a chance if I if, you know if I'm a crook. It's all about opportunity. They they are a master of opportunity. They are. They exactly. Uh, and I mean, right. you know, that's you remember used to when everybody they, they was breaking in houses and stuff. Everybody started putting the timers on mm-hmm. to make it look like they're home right. because they didn't want to look like it was an opportunity. My car's gone. And, right. And so these guys, I mean, you know, they got rap records. They've been in prison. Uh, they have nothing to do but sit there and listen to other guys' ideas. That's correct. About how they got away. Exactly with right. And then you sit there and watch the house, and it's at. Seven o'clock every night, that light comes on and that light comes right. on. Right. Then it goes off at at eleven thirty or whatever. All you have to do is watch it about three days and say, "These people aren't that regular." That's yeah. You know, they're doing that automatically. And, and uh, it's just—I don't know—I I, get—I get frustrated about a lot of these things because. Uh, you know, they always talk about common sense gun laws. Well, common sense to me says I need to be able to protect myself, and I should be able to protect myself. I want to know what, I want one of them just one time to tell me what their common sense gun law is, because every time somebody asks them, they never can. They tell can't them. tell you. Yeah, they they go round and around. Then. Yeah, and the other thing that they've done recently in the last uh, about three years is uh, they have gone from gun control to gun safety. Oh yes. Now it's yeah. gun safety. Of course, the only way the gun can really be safe is to take it out of the hands of the, uh, the American people and give it to the military or the police, and then we'll all be safe. Oh yeah. Right. Yes. Yeah. Uh, we'll, I got we'll... got a king size picture of that one, buddy. <laughs> I'm going to tell you right now. Uh, but some of these some of these groups are just. I mean, it's like I said, it's Bloomberg trying to buy our rights. Oh, and, and that's what and that's what they're doing. And and we we now listen. I love this country more than anybody. Not fight anybody over it. But but what scares me is this younger generation and and even a little before them, they've become they'll sell their soul. I mean, if they, if they think that they'll get a dollar and somebody will, will keep them up, exactly they'll sell right. it. They'll they'll sell it tomorrow. Yep. And and that's that's the that's the issue that part. I have. That's the scary is, part of what's is, going um, on. Is this country wasn't started that way? We wasn't raised that way. And and through the years, you've seen it kind of trickle down. Um, to, to we're getting a little softer and softer, yeah. and now everything offends us, right? right. And, and everything's you know yep. an issue, and it's yep. and it's uh, I agree with it. It's either one sided or the other. And well, I think I think one of the worst things that this country ever did. And you, you mentioned earlier, uh, we talked a little bit about it. We talked about uh, Vietnam. Hmm. During Vietnam, they did away with the draft. Right. I think that was one of the worst mistakes this country ever made. Was doing away with the draft. Now I'm I'm not for conscription, etc. Right. But um, I believe personally that everybody in this country who is able-bodied that can take care of themselves, and I, there are a lot of people in wheelchairs that can take care of themselves. Oh, yeah. A lot of people in crutches. Uh, as long as you can get out and make a living in any way, shape, or form, I think that you should serve a couple of years 
either in the military or the government, to learn what's going on in this country and how it's supposed to be. And in the military, you get an opportunity to travel to other countries, and you find out that what the news is showing you about France ain't all that pretty. And you see how people live in other countries, and you come back over here and you say, hey, this is a pretty good deal. I believe that when they, they did away with the draft, patriotism started dying at that point in time oh yeah and and i and i agree 100 percent with you and, and that's you can sit in a classroom and i can show you in a book and tell you all about it but until you actually go and see yep um you know about how everything's run every, all over the you know all over the world right if you lay down out there in the street and you cried because your president get elected in <laughs> other countries <laughs> you, you ain't gonna be there long. let me tell you that they're gonna find a box to they, put will, you in. they uh, will pick you up in pieces that's that's exactly, exactly right i mean they're it's a it's a cruel world and that that saying's not just just saying it, it really right. is. it is <laughs> it, it, it very it very much is and and uh most countries uh the sanctity of life doesn't mean what it does in the united states not at all you're you just know, a number you care. I mean, you're, yeah you're just in my way get out of the way right. move over and uh, so I, I think that, that we did ourselves a disservice by doing away with the, the draft. And I will be one that will readily admit that the reason that I was in during Vietnam was because of the draft. Oh, right. Yeah. Uh, I didn't get drafted, but I was going to. Right. So I joined the Navy. And, yeah. And uh, Well, and I mean, it, you know, nobody wants to go off to a foreign country, you know, it's not in. It's not human to want well, to go. You I, want to stay close to your family and that kind of stuff. Right, but like I, you said, it, it's something that's got to be done. Yeah, I, and I think part of it is is you. Um, it's not that you don't want to go do it. You don't want to leave. You don't want to leave, and you don't want to be forced to do it. I mean, we're right. supposed to be free. We did to make our own decisions. Right. And and I have no problem with that. But uh, I think that that uh, there are times when you have to break that umbilical card from the mama, and that's a good time to do it. Right. So we are coming up to the end of our third segment here, and uh, so far, I, again, once again, I think it's been very interesting. I've enjoyed uh, talking with Jason Ridley. I want to remind you, georgiacarry.org, you can join up, you can renew, you can see everything that we've done. You can also uh, get the podcast here. You can get a commercial-free podcast at newstalk1160.com. Follow us on Twitter at georgiacarry, and we will be right back. And now, back to GeorgiaCarry.org radio with GeorgiaCarry.org's executive director, Jerry Henry. Welcome back to our final segment of GeorgiaCarry.org radio hour. Uh, Jason Ridley, we're going to talk about a couple little things. Uh, we're going to talk about his experiences in the, the house this year and kind of what he would like to see next year. But before we do that, we brought up a subject that he had done a little bit earlier, and that was uh, he did a little rodeo out in Texas, if I remember, and probably some other places as well. And I, I just kind of like to hear about a couple of bounces maybe you took. Yeah, believe it or not, I, I, I look like a steer wrestler right now, but I used to be skinny and I rode bulls a little bit. <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> See, I had you pegged for a for a steer race. No, I wasn't this big. I, 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 having three kids and eating everything on their plate that they don't make you a little bigger. Uh, but uh, but yeah, I, I, in high school I started rodeoing a little bit and uh, and went on down to I went down to ABAC for one semester and and uh, and I, me and my granddaddy both figured out that I wasn't going to get a degree in yeah. chasing girls, so I might as well come on back home and come back to work. 
but I had a friend that uh, Doug Farr, he lives out in Waco, Texas now. Uh, mm-hmm. well, he went to NFR a few times, calf rope, him and his brother both. Uh, and so I, I rodeoed around with them. And, and uh, uh, I, you know, a lot of guys go, uh, they get out of college and they want to go backpacking to Europe to find themselves. Right. Well, I got in a 96 Ford Dooley <laughs> with a camper. And when I went to Calgary, Canada, I don't know where I went. We left, we'd leave every July and uh, come back about the 1st of September. Uh, for the, they called it the Cowboy Christmas. That's right. when we'd win all the money. And, right. And so uh, had a lot of a lot of good times, a lot of stories that I can't tell on air. Uh, but uh, it was a good experience, and, and uh, I never was really good at it. That's yeah. a, a, I kept well, falling on the ground. I yeah, my, I, I followed rodeo for a while. I never did any. Actually, my rodeoing came to an abrupt end when I was a young kid. We had a, a, a friend down the road. His mother and daddy had an old Jersey cow that they kept milk. <laughs> And every year they would uh, have a calf, you know, so the milk would be would continue on, and we'd wait. That little calf got up a little bit. We were only you know, seven, eight years old, nine years old. We'd have a rodeo. We'd ride that little calf, and that was pretty good until about the time we were about eleven or twelve, and that calf didn't get big enough for us to ride. <laughs> and one of the, one of the guys' brothers said, "Well, let's just ride that Jersey cow." <laughs> <laughs> We watched him, and we never got oh, close yeah. to that that was I mean, that was, you think a bull's bad. You get on an old cow that's got oh, a calf man. next to her and see how she yeah, is. Yeah, well, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a good experience. It's changed a lot. That was right before the vest came out and yeah. all these corporate oh, yeah. sponsors. And, yeah. you know, used to, when I was in there, the, the Wrangler would give you four pairs of jeans and three shirts. That was your sponsorship. No money. Right. They would just right. give you. And, and, and you had to protect your ribs any way you could. And you didn't yeah. wear a helmet. Yeah. That's no, a, no, no, no. Uh, I look at those guys now, and I understand why they're doing it because too many people. It's a dangerous sport. Oh, but, yeah. but when you look at the way they have to get padded up, I mean, used to like when you were there, you just walked oh, out I, there in your jeans and got on. You had on your boots and your hat. Right. And your hat went off when the with the first buck most of the time. Oh yeah. And yeah. then if you were like me, you'd go off with a second buck. I never. So. The vest just they they just had to come out with those maybe a couple of years, and of course. All of us, you know, we ain't gonna wear one of those. We're oh, tough, yeah. you know. Yeah. Yeah. And I seen my buddy get stomped on. And I said, "That's it. I'm. I'm where's one of those vests yeah. at? Can I have one of those, please?" Uh, well, like you said, we could probably talk about that for a long time because I know we had fun talking up in uh, up in the legislative offices about some of those things. But um, what were you involved in this year at at, uh, at the legislature? What What did you learn more from this year than you do you thought you would not learn? You know. It's pretty intimidating to come in, uh, especially when you're a guy that that beat a, a 12 year incumbent that all the leadership was was supporting. So you you know you're kind of worried that you got a target on your back, and and everybody's trying to fill you out. They're trying to figure out what kind of guy you are. Um, so uh, that that was kind of in, that was a little bit intimidating. And then and then you know about a weekend when you figure out every time you push that green button, you're making a decision for mm-hmm. 10 million people in the state of Georgia. Right. Uh, it scares you to death. Um, but and that's what I really done from day one is is uh, you know I'd get to the office and I'd read those bills because I didn't want anything I I didn't want any excuse saying that well I didn't know about that bill and I voted for it right um, so I would get there and read and read and and, uh, and then once you start doing that you kind of start watching the process you can keep up with the bills um, and see the changes in them and you right. you know and, and the relationships you make with with guys you kind of find guys that's you know got the same. Uh, personality and the same backgrounds right. you do you kind of mingle with those and uh but uh as you know i'm on banking and ba- banks and banking committee uh interstate cooperation which i have no idea what that is because i don't think we met one time this year um but uh and then uh motor vehicles mm-hmm. 
uh, with Chairman Alan Powell, which is entertaining oh, yes, in it itself. Is. Just being around uh, him yes, is entertaining. I, I hope I'll be like him in about 10 years. That's my goal <laughs> in, uh, if I stay in politics. Um, uh, you may be and you may not. No, they'll be there, they'll, <laughs> as my granddaddy said, they broke the mold. They, God broke the mold after that and for a reason probably. Yeah, probably so. <laughs> and, but, uh, uh, but, you know, uh, I was involved with campus carry. I signed on the, uh, the way of constitutional carry bill that never did go anywhere. But, um and uh, just kind of, just kind of hung out and watched. I wasn't real big on. I didn't want to come in and try to introduce a bunch of bills. I just kind of wanted to watch what was going on. And well, that's probably a wise decision. I you know, think so. You're not going to run the. You're not going to run the place the first year you're there. No, no, that's for sure. No, I wasn't at speaker's office. That's where my chair was. That's right. <laughs> and there, there's some there's some people that think that you you can do that, mm-hmm. and they they wind up, you know. I, Probably maybe it's not an official list, but there's a list up there somewhere. Oh, there you is. don't want to be on that list. No, <laughs> you know, no. I guarantee you. But you got you know you got to stand up. You got to let them know that you that sure. you're uh, where you at. And I think I I did a pretty good job at that and being been respectful about it. But just you know let them know I this is the yeah. way I was raised. And I ain't gonna back up. You right. Know? Uh, and I think they had a lot. I think a lot of leadership ended up having a lot of respect for me. And, and I got a lot of uh, you know a lot of compliments. A lot of. Uh, letters after the session tell me that how impressed they were good um i think they thought i was gonna be a little rogue i don't know where they got that idea <laughs> i don't either i can't imagine <laughs> they probably probably didn't talk to you very much or they would have <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh but it was interesting like i said i i know that you had an interesting uh session it this was. year and uh probably the only thing's going to happen is they're going to get a little more interesting in the future Oh, I think so. I think there's some things that are going to have to happen, and and you know when you when you stop and look at where Georgia is, um, you know we moved a long way. Mm -hmm. We started off in 43rd place, and we got up into the top five or so. But there are an awful lot of of states that are passing us by, so to speak. They're they're passing the constitutional carry. They're passing uh, campus carry, which we may catch up with them this year, depending on what the governor does in the next few weeks. and some of these states that that you don't expect to be passing these gun laws are passing them. That's exactly and right. And Georgia's legislators need to understand that and start doing something about it. That's exactly right. When I when uh, I started really looking at constitutional carry, campus carry, that kind of stuff, I was surprised how many blue states that went blue last time. Mm-hmm. Had constitutional carry, had campus carry already. Vermont, Maine. Well, Vermont never had a, a gun. Well, law. yeah, they've never even had one, uh, but. You know, there was a lot of them, and and I think I printed it off and took it somebody and said, I want you to look at all these mm-hmm. states that are, are – went Democrat that are, you know, are having these, uh, these uh, you know, so-called uh, constitutional carry. And, yeah. and well, of course, we're here we are still it's really it's, you know. it's really permitless carry. It's not it constitutional is, right, carry. Right. But, uh, uh, you know, that's the, that's the tag that's, that's been put on it. But it's, it's permitless carry. Uh, there's nothing else. You get no other – all you get out of permitless carry is seven dollars a year. That's right. Savings, which, right. Uh, and that's one of the reasons that that we haven't pushed it too far is because we want more places to carry. Right. I can assure right. you that that the, that the uh, uh, campus carry bill would not have passed or even been close to being signed into law if we didn't have a permit. Oh yeah. Because, that, yes. I, and I, you know, and I'm that's so there's some I'm, things that are good about it. Plus the fact that that you know it does give you the uh, if you buy several guns a year, then you don't have to go through all the background right. checks. You walk in, you lay it down, you buy it, you go out, and, and you're there. Oh, right. And, so, I, and I agree 100%. I mean, I think that, you know, the the permit uh, process, I think we've perfected it pretty much. I mean, it's a simple, 
go through your you know, yeah there's one it. other thing we need to do and that we need to be able to do that online that would be good we need to be able like to go in and fill it out and then uh you know if they want you to go by and take a picture or something that's fine that's right but uh we need to to make it easier there and i know texas and some others um you can do that uh of course in texas too you can also carry in state capital they have a a line set up for, you mean you can't hear is that yeah that's that? kind of what i was saying <laughs> i know that's a surprise to you uh <laughs> well we can't anyway. um but they have a line set up for people with uh with their, their what they call a concealed hand license hand care gun license and they go through that line show their license they don't have to go through the the metal detectors, metal detectors. because of, hell if you get right down to it I've been background checked more than most people oh, yeah. that work in that office. That, that's exactly what, and, you know, you know that's, that's another discussion about so, how many background checks you go through. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, at any rate, it, it's just, there, there are several things that we need to look at to make it still a little bit better, although we are much better than what we are. That's we right. Were. We've, we've, uh, we've done, we've accomplished quite a bit in the last Well, uh, and I think taking years. baby steps to do it the right way the first time and not having to go back and fix oh, it yeah. is, 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 yeah. is the reason we're doing it. Yep. I agree with you. Um, well, it has been very interesting, Jason. Hey, I appreciate <laughs> it. I will come back anytime. I have enjoyed you being here. Well, we'll probably have you back every once in a while. You know, we got to have some people. Every once in a while, we get to where we get so boring that nobody won't listen to us. So we'll come back, and you and I will do our comedy act, and we'll move on. Uh, but it has been fun, and uh, we're coming down to the end of this program. Uh, I want to remind you, next week is the NRA convention here in town. My next guest is going to be A.W.R. Hawkins. And uh, don't forget, georgiacarry.org, newstalk1160.com, and we will see you next week. Thanks for listening to georgiacarry.org radio, hosted by Georgia Carry's executive director, Jerry Henry. Georgiacarry.org is Georgia's no-compromise voice for gun owners. Join us each week for information on protecting your Second Amendment right to keep and bear arms. Georgiacarry.org radio, Saturday mornings at 8 only on News Talk 1160, the talk of the town.